Good morning, Grace. How are we doing this morning? All right, all right. Not too bad. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and I have the opportunity today to just open up God's Word with you and uh, to share uh, an important message, I believe, uh, because it has to do with our words um, and it has to do with our thinking. And, uh, you know, uh, in our words, I can change the climate uh, in a room faster than the climate changes in, in Indiana. Can, do, you, do you believe that? We can, we can change the climate in the room really, really fast by our choice of words. And our words can be, bring incredible life to people. And in situations, we can breathe life and hope into, into people. Or we can bring death to a situation through, through our words. You know, we live in a complaining world, don't we? We live in a complaining world. We complain about everything. We complain about everything. We complain about the weather. Uh, and what I thought we would do is uh, I, took, I pulled some complaints from you guys this past week from, from Facebook, and just random, you know, and I just thought we'd put them up on the screen. Um, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. That would be pretty cool, though, wouldn't it? That would be pretty cool. Some of you are like, yes, all right. Uh, but, but the truth of the matter is we complain about everything. We complain about the traffic. We complain about our kids. We complain about leftovers. We complain about the speed of Wi-Fi, in New Paris especially. <laughs> this is going to be a fun service. But the truth of the matter is, you know, we, we complain about all kinds of things. And uh, this last week, especially since I'm preaching a message on complaining, I, was, I, was, I had a heightened awareness in my life, in my own life, about, about complaining. And I was really asking God to uh, point out those times uh, when, when I complained. And I did pretty good. But then um, I, I, I did something. I started complaining about other people complaining. Did you, ever, did you ever do that? And, and God confronted me with that. It's like, wow, I really, I really complain a lot. But today I want to challenge you and I want to challenge me. I want to challenge us to maybe look at complaining in a very different light, maybe, maybe in a different way than we've ever looked at it before. And I want to inspire you and I want to challenge you today to live a life of praise in a complaining world. That's what I want to do. So as we get started here today, I, I want to help you personalize this message through, through the lens of your own complaining. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, get out a pen, a paper, or your smartphone if you use the notes app in there, whatever. But here's what I want to, want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to, to really be brutally honest with yourself when I ask this question, the question I want to ask you this morning is this. What is it that you complain about the most? What is it that you complain about the most? Dig deep and really be thinking about that. Make a list. Maybe there's one thing that just rises to the surface like, man, I always complain about this one thing. Or maybe there's two or three. Um, you know, you can turn your notes over on the second page if you need page two. But, but really allow... Allow your mind to think through maybe this past week or past month and, and start writing those things down. Is it your crazy schedule? Is it 
Is it your, your boss? Is it your coworkers? Is it, is it the size of your house? Is it your finances? Is it that nobody cleans up after themselves in this place? What, what, what is it? What are those things that, if you're honest, you find yourself complaining about the most? I want you to know something. Take a look at that list. Take a look at some of those things that you've, that you've written down on your, on your list. And I want you to know something this morning. The problem is not any of those things that you wrote down on your list. The problem isn't the weather. The problem isn't the potholes. The problem isn't the construction. The problem isn't the service that you got, the lousy service that you got at the restaurant you, t- you went to last night. The problem isn't your spouse. The problem isn't your lack of a spouse. That's, that's not the problem. Let me, let me tell you what the problem really honestly is. The problem is, in that moment when we choose to complain, in that moment, we've forgotten the goodness of God. That's, that's the problem. And, and in, our, in our lives, in your life and in my life, when we choose to complain, what we've done is we've dethroned God from the throne of our heart and we put ourselves in its place and the world center, centers around us in that moment and we don't like how the world around us is affecting us in that moment and so we choose to complain. And when I think about complaining in the Bible and when you think about complaining in the Bible, our minds automatically go to the Israelites, right? It's easy to pick on those Israelites uh, they did complain a lot, absolutely did. Um, but they, they saw God do some pretty incredible things, right? They were living in Egypt as, as slaves, forced to do some, some hard, hard, hard labor, and, and uh, their living conditions were not, were not good, and, and they complained, and, and God heard their complaints, and God saw uh, the conditions that they were living in, and, but, but they got to see God do some pretty incredible things. They saw, they saw God bring the Pharaoh to his knees, right, through, through ten plagues uh, that, that God struck Egypt and Pharaoh with. And then they got to see, the Israelite, Israelites got to see God part the Red Sea, and they walked through the Red Sea on, on dry land. And, and they saw what God did. But here's what's crazy, and here's all, what, what, what strikes me about that. Every time I read that situation, I, I think, how in the world, what do they have to complain about? Um, it took them three days to begin complaining. Three days after uh, the Red Sea experience, when they saw God's might and power and glory in an incredible way, it took them three days to begin complaining about their living accommodations and the food that God uh, blessed them with and provided for them. Three days. And so I'm thinking, wow, if the Israelites, if they saw God do that kind of stuff and and they forgot about it in three days, I don't have a whole lot of hope today that what I'm going to preach about is going to go very far. But I'm praying that God is going to to really do something in our hearts that's going to create some real life uh, change Today, But here's, Moses ends up telling the people kind of in this mic drop moment, he says, you know, Israelites, you're complaining about me and you're, you're complaining against me, but you're really not. You're actually complaining against God. 
and you're complaining against God's goodness. And what if in our complaining, what if we're actually complaining about the goodness of God? Would, would that affect the words that you choose to describe the situation that you're in? Would that affect uh, how you look at the weather, how you look at your job, how you look at your marriage, how you look at the things that, that cause you sometimes to complain? I think it should. I think it should affect how we uh, put our circumstances through, uh, through the lens uh, that we look at them through. Uh, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks whatever our heart is full of. And so uh, you may write this down. If your heart is full of the goodness of God, you will speak praise. If your heart is full of anything less, you will complain. Our, our mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Turning your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at a couple of verses. Um, Philippians chapter 2. If you need a Bible this morning, go ahead and raise your hand. We have some ushers that would uh, be happy to put one in your hand. Um, but turn to Philippians chapter 2. When you find it, uh, go ahead and stand to your feet in the honor of God's word. We're going to read out loud together verses 14 through 18 of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Let's read this out loud together. It says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Thanks a lot. You can, you can have a seat. You know, we read that passage and we hear that passage and, um, you know, it's much more powerful when we understand the context surrounding this passage. So I just want to take a few minutes and kind of uh, explain the context. Uh, this, this was a letter, the, the book of Philippians was a letter written to the church in Philippi by a guy named Paul. And uh, Paul uh, started out hating Christians, and he spent much of his adult life uh, persecuting Christians and having them arrested and throwing them into, into prison uh, because he didn't believe that, that uh, Jesus was who he said he was. And so he made it his life goal and his ambition. He threw his whole, his whole self, uh, all of his passion into uh, putting an end to Christianity. And around the age of 32 or 33, somewhere in there, God got a hold of Paul's life and he had a dramatic encounter with, with Jesus. And in that moment, Paul turned his life over to Jesus. He surrendered his life and, and Paul took that same passion, that same zeal 
that he used in persecuting Christians, and he now turned that over into uh, advancing the gospel. And Paul went on to plant uh, just a bunch of churches all over the known world. He went to, to write uh, much of our New Testament um, today. And uh, what, an, what a powerful example of what can happen when God gets a hold of a person, gets a hold of uh, a person's life and, and uh, puts them on a trajectory and a calling. Um, but uh, Paul, um, you know, he wrote this uh, letter while he was in prison. He was in prison for, for two years and uh, he was able to be in a, in a home. Uh, it was kind of a house arrest type of situation. But nonetheless, he was in prison and he was bound in chains to a guard 24 hours a day for two years. And that's just part of the story because how he got to Rome is another story. Uh, he was arrested and he was beaten and he went to trial, several trials along the way uh, to get him to where he is now in Rome. Uh, he ended up on a ship that uh, was full of other prisoners that were also going to Rome. And while he was on his way to Rome, the ship um, wrecked and ran aground. The ship broke up into pieces. Paul ends up floating on a piece of wood in the ocean um, eventually finds himself on the island of Malta. Scripture says that he was building a fire with other people there to try to get warm, and uh, out of the wood pile, a snake comes and latches onto his arm. I mean, this guy is a picture of what could go wrong, did go wrong. He eventually ends up in Rome, in prison, and he writes these words that we read this morning. And it gives that scripture a whole new meaning when you understand the context that Paul wrote that passage. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because Paul had this bucket list. He knew that Rome controlled the world and that Rome was the, the big influence in the world. And, and if he could get to Rome and he could preach in Rome and plant churches in Rome, like that's what he wanted to do. And incidentally enough, he finds himself in Rome, not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. And so uh, that's, that's Paul, and that's uh, the context that he, that he wrote this passage. And so if anybody has a legitimate reason to whine and complain a little bit about his circumstance, it would be Paul. Matter of fact, if, um, if I was reading some of his letters and I came across some complaining in there, I probably wouldn't fault the guy. Like, I'd probably say, yeah, yeah that's pretty tough. I probably would, would complain about that as well. Instead, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. It's like, really, Paul? Wow. Wow. And, um, and that by doing that, we become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. See, we live in a world that is a complaining world. We live in a complaining world. You know, researchers have done a lot of research uh, on the brain and the results of complaining and what leads to uh, complaining, why we complain, and what happens to our brain when we complain. And uh, what they find is that repeated complaining actually hardwires our brain to automatically complain. 
And so the more we complain, we actually hardwire our brain to complain more. And we're more likely to look at everything in a negative light the more that we complain. And before long, we develop something called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. And confirmation bias is basically that when you expect something to be bad, guess what you're going to see when you enter into that situation? You're going to see the bad things. You're going to see the negative things. And matter of fact, you ignore anything else that would challenge the negativity. That's how strong this confirmation bias really is. We begin to look for things that support our negative view and we ignore anything that doesn't support it. It's called, called confirmation bias. So for example, if you have a confirmation bias and you've hardwired your brains and you've already made up the decision before you even walked into Grace Community Church that big churches are bad, that big churches must, uh, you know, they must water down the message. They must be doing something wrong because that's, they wouldn't be big if they didn't do that. Um, and big churches and on and on and on and goes and you have this negative mindset towards big churches, well, guess what? You're going to walk into Grace Community Church, and guess what you're going to see? You're going to see all the negative things in your mind that support your bias that, that you've hardwired into your, your brain. Uh, another example, maybe some of you uh, struggle a little bit with low self-esteem. You have some low self-esteem, and so you're highly sensitive to people that might ignore you even if they didn't purposely ignore you. Maybe they didn't notice you. Maybe they just, you know, walked by and their mind was, you know, focused on something else. But nonetheless, they ignored you. You automatically, in your confirmation bias, you assume that you did something to offend them, that uh, they're mad at you, uh, that they don't like you, that, uh, you know, they must, they must hate you. And, you know, when you post a comment on, on Facebook or you, post, you make a post on Facebook and, and a certain person or certain people don't comment or like your post, uh, it's because they must not like you. That's, that's the negative hardwiring in your brain called confirmation bias that is very, very, very real. And, and so here's what I know about me and here's what my desire is for me and I think it's your desire as well. There, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the guy that looks uh, in every room I walk in or every situation that I'm in, whether a pleasant situation or a not-so-pleasant situation, where I automatically, because I've hard hardwired my brain, that I look for the negative. I don't want to be that guy. There's already enough negativity in this world. There, there's already, uh, all, all we got to do is turn on the news for about two seconds and you'll get, you'll get your negativity fill. All you got to do is turn on Facebook for just a minute and just scroll down a little bit. You'll, you'll get your fill. I don't want to be that guy. And, and I hope that you don't either. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to make this commitment today. This is a challenge I, I made to myself and, and this commitment that, I, that I'm asking you to make today, and, and it's this. Instead of complaining, instead of complaining, I will make a choice to change my circumstances if I can or change my perspective if I can't. So I, I, I'm going to make a commitment that rather than complaining 
if there's a situation in my life that I have some control over and I can change, well, then I'm going to change that. And so should you. If there's a negative circumstance in your life and, and all you're doing is complaining about it and you have the power to do something about that, you really should. You, you, you really should. If you're, if you're struggling in your finances and, um, you know, you haven't looked at the areas uh, in, in your spending or maybe in your income that you can do differently to make your situation, uh, you know, better, then you, you probably should do that right? If there's situations or circumstances that we have the ability to change, then go for it. Do it. Bring your A game and, and put everything you can into your situation to try to change it. But here's, here's the other thing that I know. Some of you are in the midst of circumstances right now, and if you're honest, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do to change it. Matter, matter of fact, for some of you, there's nothing that you can do in, in your situation to change your, your circumstance. And so what we're going to do in those situations is we're not going to change it, but what we are going to do is we're going to change our perspective. We're going to change our perspective. When I, when I think of Paul's circumstance that he, that he was in, in prison, chained to a guard every, I don't know, gets a new guard every 8 or 10 or 12 hours, whenever they did their shift chains, uh, changes back then. Uh, he, he got a, a new guard uh, chained to him, you know. Not once did I, did I, do we read about Paul complaining about, you know, his accommodations or the dirty, uh, you know, prison floor or maybe the rat that just ran across the floor or the bad breath of the guard, you know, that, that he's chained to. Not once do we, we read about, about any of that. Why? Well, because Paul made up his mind that, you know, I'm not going to change my circumstance. I, I can't do anything to change my circumstance, so I might as well change my perspective. And this passage that, that we read this morning is all about perspective, and it's, it's powerful. It's absolutely powerful. And how could Paul do that? How could Paul look through this terrible situation and see God working. Well, he could do that because Jesus was at the center of his life. And, and he could do that because he was focused on the goodness of God. And he trusted God. And he remembered the goodness of God. Every step of the way through, through his life, he was able to recall how God never failed him. That, 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 that God has been there every step of the way in his journey, and he was able to draw from that, and he was able to know that God is good. And so if God is good in every situation, then he's good in this situation. And what Paul did is he ended up flipping his circumstance. I, I love if, if you look at, uh, turn back to Philippians chapter 1, uh, look at verses 12 uh, through 14, Philippians chapter 1. This is just so incredibly powerful. Here's, here's Paul writing this letter. He's in chains. Imagine the people uh, in the churches that he, that he planted, finding out that Paul is in prison, you know, probably complaining for him, right? Complaining that Paul's in prison. Oh, I can't believe. Can you believe that? That they, they accused him of that and, 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 and they threw him in prison. Here's what Paul says. 
Look at verse 12. He says this. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to do what? Advance the gospel. So in other words, what's he, what's he doing there? He's shifting his perspective. He, he's not complaining about his, his situation or the circumstance that he in, he's in. He's actually flipping the circumstance and flipping his perspective over. And, and he's saying, oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't feel bad for me. Like, don't, don't complain about my situation because I'm not complaining about my situation. Because what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Look at verse 13. As a result, as a result of this perspective shift, as a result of of Paul not complaining, but instead embracing the situation that he was in, it has become clear throughout the whole what? Palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for who? For Christ. And because of my chains, check this out, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without what? Without fear. So, so, so that's, that's crazy, right? You would think that, that Paul's example, that's, that's, what, that's what the leaders wanted, right? They wanted the, this example that if you talk about Jesus, we're going to throw you into prison. If you talk about Jesus and, and try to promote this gospel, we're going to throw you into prison. And they meant that to try to discourage people from sharing the gospel. But in fact, it had an opposite uh, approach, right? An opposite result. The reason why is because of Paul's perspective and Paul's attitude about this. And Paul's encouraging the Philippians through this, like, don't feel bad for me, guys, because guess what? I'm chained to a guard that needs Jesus. And every eight or 10 or 12 hours, guess what? I get a new guard that needs Jesus. And, and, and so, man, the whole palace guard, man, God's opened up this door for me to share the gospel in an incredible way. Uh, man, don't feel bad for me. Feel bad for the prisoner that's chained to me because they're a spiritual prisoner. I, I'm the one that's been set, th- set free through, through Jesus. That was Paul's perspective. Church, what would happen if we tapped into that same perspective today? What would happen if we chose to, hey, change our circumstance if we can, put everything that we can into changing our circumstance if we can, but if we can't, what would happen if we, if we said, you know what, I'm going to change my perspective. God, I'm going to ask you to change my perspective. I love how Paul flipped his problem and he turned it into a praise. And that's what God calls you and I to do. That's what he calls us to do. Do you really think, do you really think that that, uh, this dead-end job that you're complaining about, do you really think that the God of the universe, the God that orchestrates our calendars brilliantly, puts you in that dead-end job uh, just, just so that you would complain about it? Do, do you honestly think that? But, but we do, don't we? we? We complain. We complain about our circumstances. My question for you this morning is, what are you chained to? 
What are you chained to? What, what, what are you chained to? Maybe it's, um, you know, a financial chain. Maybe it's a, a relational chain that you're chained to. Um, maybe, maybe your marriage is just really upside down and struggling, and you're chained to that. Put yourself into that. Throw yourself into that. Change the circumstance if you can. But if you can't, then change your perspective. Maybe, maybe you're here today and, and you got the news from the doctor. You got the diagnosis from the doctor. And it's not a good diagnosis. And um, rather than complaining about your situation, change your perspective. Uh, I, I love... Um, you know, we have people in our lives all the time that do this and that really inspire us and they really challenge us deeply. Um, Darlene Pinion, many of you know her. She works in our office. She's our office manager. And she struggled. She walked through cancer um, a number of years ago here. And, um, you know, Darlene's perspective while she was walking through this journey was so challenging and encouraging to my heart and to everybody that worked with Darlene. We, we meet as a staff every, every single morning for prayer, and it's, you know, the highlight of our day. We start our day outright by, by praising and praying. And, um, and while Darlene was walking through this journey, you know, not one time did she come in and ask for prayer because, for her own, you know, struggles that she's going through. Not one, did she, not one time did I ever hear Darlene complain about the pain that she was in, even though I knew she was in pain. Not one time did I ever hear Darlene complain that it's not fair what, what, what she's going through, even though, um, you know, I would be very tempted to think that way. But instead, what I heard Darlene say over and over and over, she would bring these people to, to, to our prayer time, and she would say, you know what, uh, I met this person at the cancer center this person that helps, you know, give me treatments every day. And I started talking to them about, about the Lord and pray for this person, pray for that person, pray for this person. You know, uh, man, God uh, brought me into this situation and I'm not going to change it. I, I, there's nothing I can do to change my circumstance, but you know what? I'm going to change my perspective. And you know people like that. And I know people like that. And it's so incredibly encouraging so change the way you look at your situation. Change the way you speak about it publicly. And then change the way you think about it in your mind. And when you're tempted in your mind to begin to complain about it, correct yourself. Preach a message to yourself. And, and turn that potential problem like Paul did. Flip it over and turn it into a praise. You wouldn't want it. You wouldn't ask for it. If you were writing the story, you would say, you know, I'd write it very differently. But here you are, and we know that God is good, and we know that he works all things together for the good, right? And so uh, he must have you in this circumstance for a reason. Begin looking around. There's a good chance that God wants to do a work in you, but there's also a very good chance that God wants to do a work through you. So begin looking around at the people that God has placed you with. Begin praying for them. Begin saying, okay, I'm going to use this situation to advance the gospel. 
That's how I'm going to look at this situation. Let's look at our text again. Chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. Paul says, again, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then it says this, you will do what? You will shine among them like what? Like stars in the sky. In other words, when you say, I'm not going to complain about my circumstance, I'm either going to change it or I'm going to change my perspective, but I'm not going to complain about it. When you do that, guess what? People notice. It changes the environment. It changes the climate in the room, so much so that it's like a bright star shining in the blackest of night. That's the effect that our lack of complaining and our flipping our circumstance over and adjusting our perspective makes around us, to the people around us and in our circumstances. Look at verse 16, as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. And look at verse 17. But what are the next two words? Even if. Say that again louder. Again. Say it louder. Even if. That is like that, just in case you may not know, that's the perspective shift right there. That's where it all happens. It's looking at your circumstance. It's looking at your situation. And it's discerning, okay, I'm not going to be able to change this. And it's in that moment, are you going to complain or are you going to have a perspective shift? Are you going to say, even if, even, even if I don't get the job that I hoped for, even if I'm in a really difficult marriage right now, even if I'm struggling right now with this, this sickness or this, this illness that I'm, I'm battling every single day, even if. My boss and I don't get along, even if. And then look, how, look what Paul says, powerful. He says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. What's a drink offering? Well, Paul's audience would know exactly what he's referring to when he, he said, He's being poured out like a drink offering. In the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, a priest would would take an animal and he would sacrifice the animal um, as a burnt sacrifice. And then um, people would bring expensive wine or honey or the most expensive that you could afford. Um, Whatever you could afford, you bring, but it's expensive because it's a sacrifice. And what the priest would do is he would... He would pour it out over top of the sacrifice, over top of the fire. And what's a cold liquid do when it hits a, a hot fire, right? It smokes, and that smoke goes up as a, as a fragrance, as an offering to God. But if you have the wrong perspective, you would look at that as very wasteful, wouldn't you? You, you would look at, like, why in the world would you dump that expensive wine, that expensive honey, why would you 
pour it out. That's it's very wasteful. But see, Paul, because of his perspective that he had, because Jesus sat on the throne of his heart and he was in tune with the goodness of God, he didn't see it as, he didn't look at a drink offering as wasteful. What he looked at it as spending it, spending his life as an act of worship. See, there's a very, very different way to look at it, isn't it? And here's what I know. I choose and you choose whether my or your unchangeable circumstance is a wasted experience or an act of worship. We, we choose that by our attitude. We choose that by the perspective that, that we have towards the circumstance that we're in. And Paul said, even if, even if I die for what I believe in, he's awaiting a death sentence. And there's a very real possibility that he's going to be given the death sentence. He says, even if, even if I'm being poured out, even if I'm in prison here for two years and, I, and I'm stuck as a prisoner instead of planning churches and, 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 and proclaiming the gospel, even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, I'm glad. And so should you be as well. Here's what I know about our perspective. Our perspective is threatened most by our forgetfulness. Our perspective is threatened the most by our forgetfulness. See, we forget about the goodness of God. I was reminded this week, but I had forgotten. Early on in our marriage, several times in our marriage, there were situations where we were flat broke and we didn't know how we were going to make ends meet. Several times in our marriage where checks out of the blue, like I'm talking to the exact dollar amount that we needed showed up out of the blue. Like, that's crazy, right? That's the goodness of, of God. Some of you are shaking your head because you, you've been there. You've seen that. You know, we've seen God move in incredible ways. You have seen God move in incredible ways, but we are forgetful people, and we forget that. And that threatens our perspective uh, when we're in a circumstance and a situation that we don't like and that we perceive as negative. I love what David said in Psalm chapter 103, in the first five, five verses there. You can turn there, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Uh, David says this. He says, praise the Lord, my soul. And then he says, all my inmost being, everything I have in me, everything I have, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And then he says this. He says, forget not all his benefits. Verse 3 says, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I don't know where this message hits you today. I don't know the circumstances that you're dealing with. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you commit to saying rather than complaining, I will change my circumstance if I can. I'll, I'll throw myself into that. 
whatever it takes. But if I can't, through God's help, I'm going to change my perspective. Let's pray. Lord, this is hard stuff because, God, we live in a a complaining world. But, Lord, we want to shine like stars in a dark sky. We we want, God, to, uh, to be the kind of people that through, in the midst of our circumstances, uh, our faith in you, that we believe, God, that you are good. And we believe that you've, you've placed us right where you want us right now, at this moment of time, either, either to do something in us or to do something through us or both. Lord, would you do a work in our hearts this morning? God, would you help us to become people of praise in the midst of a a complaining world so that we can shine like stars. Lord, we want to be used by you. Use us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, and we're going to have an extended time of worship, so don't leave. Um, But this is your chance. Maybe confess uh, your complaining spirit to God. Maybe recenter your life. Maybe ask God, God, do a work in me so that I can have that perspective shift. Let's praise God this morning.